you have to be creative and figure out how to do it. And how does it work the best for you with also working with the seller? That's really important when I'm looking at deals and then the other ones that I've done in the past as well, you've got to look at what works for the seller and what works best for you. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we built a relationship with him in Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. We got a special segment for you called Situation Saturday. And usually when we do Situation Saturday, as is the case today, we talk about a situation that you might come across, you might find yourself in. And if you do, then the purpose of our conversation today is to give you a playbook for how to handle that situation. And today... The situation is you come across a large apartment community and you want to finance it creatively. How do you do that? We've got someone who not only knows how to do that, but he actually did it. How you doing? Todd Dexheimer. I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me and excited to talk about it. 
Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to have you back on the show. If you recognize Todd's name, you're a loyal best ever listener, so props to you. Episode 1015, titled How He Bought Over 100 Units in Nine Months with Todd Dexheimer. You can go back to that episode, listen to his best ever advice, and listen to how he did that. We won't get into his backstory now. We'll specifically talk about the deal. A little bit more about Todd. He is the CEO of – well, so I will get into his background a little bit. We won't spend a whole lot of time on it. Just as a refresher, he is the CEO of Venture D Properties. He started investing in 2008, buying homes and apartments. Currently, his company owns 350 units in four states and has done creative financing on his three recent purchases based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. There's a storm rolling through right now where he's at, so we might hear some thunder in the background. I told him to ideally time his comments where they're really dramatic with the thunder to add to the effect. We'll see if he can do that. So with that being said, Todd, set the stage for us, please, on the deal, and we'll go from there. The latest deal I did, which I think we can spend the most time on, was about a 120-unit apartment complex. And I put it under contract with the intention to just get regular financing on it. Well, I shouldn't say regular financing. The property was 78% occupied, so it was low occupancy. And it needed some work. So 60 of the units had been renovated to a pretty good standard. But basically, the rest of the units needed a pretty substantial renovation. So I needed to get either a bridge loan, a local bank loan, or seller financing. And as I went through this deal, I just didn't want to use a bridge loan because they're expensive. So anybody who's used one, any of your best ever listeners who've done a bridge loan, understand the expenses. So I didn't want to go that route. So I was trying to get local bank financing, but I had kind of three strikes against me. First strike was there. There's the thought. Did you hear the lightning? <laughs> I lightning. You timed it when you said I got three strikes against me. Nice job. That was, that was talented man. <laughs> so the first one was I'm out of state. The second one is I'm syndicating the deal. And the third one was the deal wasn't stabilized. It was 78% occupied. So three strikes against me. The local banks were very hesitant. I did have one local bank that... <laughs> was semi-interested, but we were running out of time. My earnest money was going to become hard. So I said, look, let's do seller finance. And I approached it at that level and we ended up working out a deal. I don't let you ask more questions about it if you want. All right. Yeah, please do. Let's take a step back a little bit. And what were some of the terms that you initially agreed? Did you agree to terms with the seller and then you're like, oh, wait, this financing route's not working, I need to update the terms? Or did that happen simultaneously where you were negotiating and you figured out you had different terms so then before anything was signed, you went with the terms that you ended with? Yes, on this particular deal, now normally you'd like to have this all up front, but in this particular deal, I had it under contract, we were gonna go with financing from a third party, from a lender. We got through some of the due diligence period and the due diligence was actually coming close to an end. And I basically said, look, here's the option. You either finance it for me, do seller financing, or you drop the price and I can pay less or we can just walk away and call it a day. And we negotiated back and forth for actually quite some time on the seller financing terms and finally came up with agreement. So the property was already under contract. 
So you didn't have any earnest money hard on this? Nope. I had 60,000 earnest money out, but it was not hard. It was going to become hard. But at that time, when we started the talks on the seller financing, it was not hard. What was the purchase price? Purchase price was 4.17 million. Okay. And with your investors, that 4.71 million, what was the raise? Like about less than two, a little less than two, something like that. So 4.17 million. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote it down, said it wrong though. 4.17 <laughs> million. Yeah. So the total raise was 1.4 million. Oh, okay. 1.4 million total raise. What were your thoughts with your investors on their appetite for if you had a creatively financed deal versus a traditionally financed deal? What were their apprehensions or what? Well, uh, did you think they would have an apprehension to a creatively financed deal versus traditionally financed deal? Yeah, I knew that some definitely would. I knew that others would probably actually be kind of excited for it because of the type of terms that we set up. So we set up, I think, really favorable terms. I'm sure we'll go over. But yeah, some of them definitely said, well, we would like something long-term because essentially we set it up as a bridge loan without the expense of a bridge loan. So yeah, some of them definitely want that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or, or HUD long-term fixed financing. Like I completely get, and that's preferable definitely in most cases. Before we get into the terms that you agreed upon with the seller, let's learn a little bit more about the seller. Because they've got about a 120-unit apartment community, 78% occupied. So not major distress, but there's some cracks beginning to show. Well, no, cracks have shown, and they're getting larger. And 50% of the units have been renovated, which is interesting to me. Usually, at least I haven't come across a 78% occupied property, but they've taken the time and the capital to renovate 50%. So my guess is that they had a business plan to begin with and they're in the middle of it. And for whatever reason, they just decided, I want to sell. Either they had a life circumstance happen or they saw that they could sell at a better price or at a good price. And so they might as well just not do the work. What was the reason why? Very good question. Yeah, there was definitely motivations there. So this particular property, they bought it 2015. With the intention of doing a full renovation to it, the major thing they ran into is that they definitely under-budgeted. The story is that they planned on putting, I think it was 800000 into the whole project, and they were already 800000 into it, mm. and they had nearly 800000 left to put into it. Yep. Okay. They also were hiring maintenance guys to do the renovation and the maintenance at the same time. So the renovation was taking a long time. You know, it had already been three and a half years and they only renovated half of the property. And the other units that needed to be renovated, they were in very bad condition. So some of them, they had an entire building, which comprised of 12 units that was completely down. Nobody could live in it because it was in very, very poor condition. So that's the occupancy struggle. The units that were renovated were completely full. The units that weren't renovated, they had a struggle getting tenants into it. How'd you find this property? Off-market broker relationship. It's actually near another property I purchased and basically reached out to the broker and said, hey, I want something close by. Mm-hmm. Did he or she 
then proactively do outreach on your behalf or did they just happen to come across a deal through their normal business? Yeah, I'm not quite sure on that. I actually do know they had a previous relationship with this particular property owner. Was it a group or an individual? It was a group. I think there was three owners total. Okay. What were the terms that you ended up getting agreed to? We set this up as an interest-only loan for up to three years, 5% interest only year one, and then it goes up to 6% year two. We did a down payment. Make sure I get these numbers right. So we had a down payment of $350,000, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then what I did is I put the rest of the amount into an escrow account. That escrow account can be accessed by the seller or it can be accessed by me as we complete construction. So we use it for construction draws. So we gave them a total down payment of about $900,000. How much was an escrow account? $600,000. When you say it can be accessed by both of you, what's to stop them from saying, oh, I'll access all of that? <laughs> I want that money. First of all, it's held by my attorney. And second of all, I have to default Okay. in order for them to access. What are the loan covenants that you have to adhere to? Essentially, I have to make the mortgage payments to him. And I have to do that. I think I've got a 15-day grace period. Then he has to start the proceedings and all that kind of stuff. So it would take a while for him to foreclose on us. It's non-recourse, of course, and it would take a while for him to foreclose on us. We'd have to have be whatever, five months down the road or whatever. What'd they do with the existing loan? That's been paid off. Okay. So that was paid off. They paid it off prior to you entering into the transaction with them? Right. Okay. That's all I was asking. Okay. So it was debt-free. There's no financing in place. Yep. So now we have our 3.85 million approximately. I think mm-hmm. that was what it was. And it's interest only for all three years? Right. That sounds really favorable. And that sounds like a wonderful bridge loan. Did they get any points at closing or anything like that? No points at closing. Yep. So there's your savings from the alternative route, right? Yeah, because a bridge loan is going to cost points at closing. They've got their attorney fees that they're going to charge you for. And they got all kinds of fees. And then most bridge loans also have a disposition fee, oftentimes 1% or greater. Then most bridge loans for that size of loan are charging anywhere between 6 and 8%. So it definitely got much better terms for sure saving I kind of figured what a seven, seven and a half percent loan, which was kind of the quotes that I was getting. Figured I saved about three hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars by doing and, it this way. And how long ago did you close? About a month ago. About a month ago. All right. Congrats on that. I know that the first three months are just solidifying team members and getting vendors in there. But what's the latest on the property over the thirty days that you've had it? We've been doing renovations on the units. There are several units that were pretty easy, quick turns that we're getting done. Those are essentially done now. We've got four actually that'll be delivered today. And then we've got several more that were delivered for the 1st of October. And just continuing to work on that down building is being worked on as we speak, along with some other units. So just working on getting the property back to stabilized, which of course, It sounds super easy when you just say it, but it takes time. And 
some tenants will leave because of the changes and all that. But I'm very optimistic that this will be a, a really good project. And I think the renovation will go fairly quickly because the units that were vacant were the units that needed to be renovated. The seller financing, when you proposed it to them, did you propose the terms to them that were agreed upon or were they updated? They were changed slightly, but yeah, for the most what'd, part. What did you initially propose? Just 5% interest. We changed that to six. But it's still 5% in year one. It just goes up year two and three at six, right? Yeah. And then I wanted four years. He said, no, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> said, if you can't get this done in three years, then you're no good. And I don't want you to. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I agree. You're right. <laughs> well, and it's true. If it takes me three years, I've done a terrible job. Yeah. What influence did this have compared to if you were to do a bridge loan on the returns? And just looking for some specifics in terms of, hey, we're projecting this much now on the project versus if I had done a bridge loan, this is what the projected profits would be. I don't have those numbers exactly in front of me, Joe, but they definitely drastically changed it. If we would have done a bridge loan a product on there, it would have been a tight deal for the type of deal we're doing. If this was a stabilized asset, I would have brought it to my investors and been fine with it. But for being a non-stabilized asset, there's some risk involved and you want to be able to give your investors a better return on their capital for that type of risk that everybody's undertaking. So with that, it definitely changed the IRR by maybe 3%. So the bridge loan would have been definitely much less attractive. And change the IRR by approximately 3% on how long of a hold period? Uh, based, based on a five-year. Five-year hold. Yeah, it's substantial. Again, I don't have the numbers right, directly. Right. I get it. Yeah. There, there was a substantial difference. So you're saying exactly 3.0%. <laughs> well, anything else that we should talk about as it relates to getting seller financing on a large apartment community that we haven't discussed? I think the most important thing is you've got to decide if this is a deal you want to do, you have to be creative and figure out how to do it. And how does it work the best for you with also working with the seller? That's really important when I'm looking at deals and then the other ones that I've done in the past as well, you've got to look at what works for the seller and what works best for you. Another deal that I did, the seller actually did not want to sell it for the price I offered until I offered them seller financing. And he saw the amount of money he would make during that time with the mortgage. Then he wanted to do it for my price. So everybody's got different motivations. And that was just a 22 unit. So the 22 unit guy, he liked the idea of getting monthly payments. Mm -hmm. He was making no money on this property. And all of a sudden I'm willing to pay him $2,300 a month, plus give him a decent price. He liked that. So everybody's got different motivations. So be creative. And then the other thing is ask. I think people just don't ask. They just assume it's a hot market. Anybody who's buying right now, Joe, you know, it's a hot market. And everybody thinks, well, it's a hot market. Why would a seller want to do something like that? But everybody's got different motivations. Everybody's properties in different condition. And some people, they don't need the capital right up front. And I'm going to ask you a dumb question. So feel free to give me the answer that I'll just ask you the question. How do you position that to them to determine if they want to do seller financing? Well, first of all, why do you want to do seller financing? I think that's got to be really the question you've got to ask is 
what reason do you want to do seller financing? And then you tell them why seller financing will work for them. And then finding a little bit about them, right? Both cases, these guys bought the property because they wanted cash flow. They thought real estate was the answer. Cash flow was going to be good. That's what they want. Well, I can now provide that for them. The 22 unit guy, he was retiring. He wanted to spend time with his grandkids. Easy sell. He wants the cash flow. He just doesn't want the property. This other guy, he bought this to do a value add and to make money on it. Well, no longer does he want to do this value add because he sees how much money he's going to have to spend in it, take out of his pocket that he doesn't want to, but he still wants that cash flow. So what's their motivation? I think you've got to learn a little bit about their story and it's not going to work for everybody. Seller financing is going to probably not work majority of the time, but if you don't ask, you don't know. Thank you for answering that in a longer version than just saying, well, dummy, you just say, do you want to do something? <laughs> I was just waiting for you to just say, Joe, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Informative and real. This happened over the last six months that you were negotiating with them and you just closed a month ago. This is over 120 unit property and over $4 million purchase price. So there you go. This is how you do it. Best ever listeners. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you? They can go to my webpage. The website is venturedproperties.com. And then can I promote yeah, my podcast? Of course. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I got a podcast as well, Pillars of Wealth Creation. So they can go to pillarsofwealthcreation.com as well. Cool. Well, we live in a world of abundance. So you talk away about your podcast. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but I know a lot of people who have and they have good things to say. So thank you so much for being on the show, Todd, and talking about the case study of how you did seller financing with this property, the ins and outs of the structure of the loan, interest only for three years at 5%. Then it increases to 6% in years two and three, down payment of $350,000. The purchase price remained the same at $4.17 million, and you put six hundred dollars in escrow where once you showed that you did the work, you were able to be reimbursed. Quick question on the reimbursement. What do you have to do to show that you did the work in order to be reimbursed? Just like doing a construction draw. So I can actually take draws as I do the work. So I can show receipts. It has to be, I think a loan doc say 50,000, minimum 50,000 to draw. So I can show receipts from contractors and then his inspection is however he wants to. So I shouldn't say that. He can send a third party inspector that we've approved, or he can just approve it without an inspector if he wants to save the cost. So at least if it was me, I would send the inspector (laughs) to make sure. And then we get the draw. Like I said, it's held by my attorney, which is good. I have a little bit of control. Obviously my attorney is going to do everything above board, but we can take draws as we need. And the good thing too, is the 600,000 that I put in this escrow, the budget's actually more for this project. We're planning to spend about 725,000 on it. So I actually raised quite a bit of extra money that we can use to pay contractors instead of relying on these draws and and getting upside down. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Todd, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212 
212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern. EQ.com. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation Podcast, where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.